Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Apalachicola. We pray that these messages challenge and encourage you. Now let's get into the Word together. There was a saying out years ago, and, and uh, I put it on Facebook, and somebody who sat under my ministry back in 1990, he said, everybody knows that Pastor Charles hates this saying. You can be so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. Boy, I, I hate that saying. I'm sure the person that made that statement is probably lost. You know, God's told us to be heavenly minded. And the only way we can do the earth any good is to be heavenly minded. The church is so earthly minded, it's no heavenly good. We've got, got it backwards. And so I want to talk about an attitude of altitude, or to be heavenly minded. We need to raise our attitude. An attitude means this. I'm going to give you a definition that comes from the word. It's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something reflected in a behavior. It is a settled way. In other words, it's a way of behavior. It's a way that you would normally react. I remember my dad was very racist. Uh, he just grew up that way. He stayed that way his whole life. He taught us to be racist. And he had a particular mindset and a particular mode of behavior when it came to people who weren't white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. So he wasn't just racist against blacks, he was racist against anybody who wasn't white and Protestant. And from any place, he, he, you know, he thought that only whites were from America. I guess he forgot that we came from Ireland. So, but uh, we, were, we were raised to have a particular uh, feeling that God had to restore into me his mindset and his attitude towards certain things and behaviors. And God is constantly changing me in behavior and attitude. Um, how many of us, when we were raising children, and we would say something says, to our child or our son or our daughter and say, well, you got a bad attitude today? Or our husbands, we tell our wives, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed today? Or wives, you told your husbands that. An attitude problem. And so we want to talk about how to grab an attitude of altitude, one that is heavenly. So in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 14 and 15, and this will be recorded if you want it later, and if you don't hear it today, you can hear it later. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked, perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That, I shared with a pastor this week, I said, are you aware there's 1,050 commandments in the New Testament? He said, I didn't know that. And so I shared some of them with him. And since I was studying this, I shared it. I said, this is a command in the New Testament. This is something that we're told to do. Why? Because we're more prone not to do it. Isn't it easier to murmur and complain? It really is easier. We don't have to think about it. We'd be brain dead and do that. To complain and murmur and gripe about something. But he says not to do that. And, and, and if we don't do it, he says we wouldn't be rebuked. Now go over to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3. In verse 17. Colossians three seventeen, And whatsoever. Now, 
We like the soever verses, don't we? Like John 3.16, whosoever, is there, are there any whosoever's in the room? Are there any whosoever's here? Come on. Well, there's at least eight or nine. Okay, the rest of you, I'm not quite sure who you are. But whosoever. I like the whosoever because I'm a part of the whosoever. Believe it. We'll have eternal life. That's me. Now we got a whatsoever. And, and in this, he says in verse 17, whatsoever you do. Now that means whether you're sitting in the pew or you're standing up or you're out here walking around with the baby or, or whatever you do. And, and that's a good thing, you know. Uh, I, I preached a whole sermon holding a little man right there. Uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Right? <laughs> he's, he's getting too big to hold. <laughs> you know. And we've got another one coming. And today we're going to re reveal the male or female, right? How, how about that? Y'all going to text me that, right? Okay. Debbie and I have to uh, leave as soon as the service is over with. I have some VA appointments. Over. We've got to get back to uh, Navarre. And so uh, let me just take this commercial break right now and just thank y'all guys so much for allowing us to come here and minister the word of God. Thank you. It's a joy always to be back here in Apalachicola. And it's funny over there when people say, well, where are your records? And I mention Apalachicola and to hear them try to pronounce it. You know, they do, they, they really butcher that word up, uh, which I did before I moved here. So in, back to verse 17. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed. So anything you say, which means you're thinking it sometimes. Sometimes we speak without thinking. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Now, it takes a good attitude to do that, doesn't it? Now, if I'm walking around like death eating an onion sandwich, and y'all just waiting for that to come back again, didn't you? And, that, and, after I, you know, and, and I feel like a thousand midnights is on me. It's going to be hard to have the right attitude to thank God for everything I'm doing. And, and how many times have we confessed that we hate Mondays? You know, tomorrow is that day. Now, Miss Ann, you're retired. Why would you hate Monday? It ain't like you got to get up and go to work. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> So the attitude of altitude, being heavenly minded. The first thing that we should pray about is have an attitude. Now go into Romans. We will be in Romans chapter 14 for the, uh, I was getting ready to say the rest of the day. But if we go the rest of the day, I'd be by myself. Romans chapter 14. Brother, it's good to see you, man. <laughs> an attitude of acceptance. In verses 1 through 6, and I want to key in on verse 1, him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, here's what it is. Don't argue about things that this doesn't matter. And so he was, uh, in this verse, Paul was trying to tell us in verses 1 through 6, well, some people may like to eat Brussels sprouts and some people don't. If you like Brussels sprouts, it don't mean you're going to hell. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, God has a special place in heaven for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so he, he got into, we shouldn't be 
disputing about whether you like this or you like that or you like this food, you like that or what we're going to wear and what we're not going to wear and how, how our hair looks. And, and, and so he got into this whole list of things and not just here in Romans but in other parts of the scripture. Uh, they were talking about where to eat, what to eat, why to eat, where to buy meat, how the meat should be prepared, uh, what days we should worship, what day is the Sabbath, what day is not the Sabbath, what is a holy day, what is not a holy day. And he said these things they're not worth breaking fellowship over. We need to keep a good attitude. I remember when I started studying about the Jewish culture and, and adopting the seven feasts and understanding the seven feasts of the Old Testament and that the Sabbath is actually the sundown on sun, on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's the actual Sabbath. Sunday's never been the Sabbath, never will be the Sabbath. So, uh, so I, I, I personally understand that. And, and then I got kind of blasted by some of my uh, Messianic Jewish brothers because I didn't have a Shabbat service on Friday. And I had to take them to this and go, you know, uh, for fellowship, it, it just doesn't matter. And then I said, I eat pork. <laughs> I like pork. I like a lot of it. They don't. I'm not going to judge them for not. I, I think they're missing something. Right, brother? Amen. Come on. Amen. You know, the man who knows how to fry everything. I Come on. <laughs> there you go. So there's an attitude of acceptance and understanding. We need to accept one another. It, that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4, we have to contend for the faith. We have to fight to have fellowship together because there's so much the enemy wants to use to divide us. This morning at 11 o'clock is one of the greatest uh, hours of division among Christianities. Because we got that group over there and saying, well, we're over here and we got all truth and we're meeting over here because we got all truth and that group over there saying, we're meeting because we're all truth and we don't want to be Baptists. Well, we don't want to be Assembly. Well, we don't want to be Methodist. And we've, we forgot that the attitude of understanding, the attitude of acceptance that God has called us to walk in the second is the attitude of accountability to each other. Whether you like it or not, you are accountable to everyone else who truly is born again. If you're saved, if you're genuinely saved, you genuinely have Jesus in your life. And you have a relationship and not a, a just a, a, you pray to prayer and you just have religion. But if you're genuinely saved, you're all accountable to one another. And we have to have the attitude of accountability. When somebody comes in and says, Brother, I remember the first time somebody stuck their hand in my face and rebuked me. And in my mind, I didn't say it with my mouth, my mind, who do you think you are? And I said it with that attitude in my mind. And I wanted to say it with my voice, but they were bigger than me. And I didn't want wall to wall counseling. <laughs> Glad you got that. No man lives unto himself. In chapter 14, verse 7, he says this. He says, for none of us. How many of us is none of us? None of us. None of us. That would be everybody in here. Liveth to himself. And no man dieth to himself. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I drink too much, but I ain't hurting nobody. I smoke dope over here, but I ain't hurting nobody. No one lives unto himself. Every action of everybody affects somebody. We need the attitude of accountability to one another. I want to know 
that when I'm walking in sin, I want to know that somebody loves me enough to come up and put their finger in their face and say, Pastor, that was wrong. You're wrong in this area, either governmentally or spiritually or theologically. But you're wrong in this area. And your attitude stinks. And I go, hmm. I need an attitude adjustment. I need to move from an attitude of the world to an attitude of altitude. I need to be heavenly minded. We don't love each other by ignoring or pacifying for the sake of keeping church members. We don't want to make nobody mad. Come on. Hebrews chapter 3. I'll just shoot over. You can keep your fingers there in... Um, in Romans, because we're coming back to it, in Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 13, says, but exalt one another daily. Not just on Sunday morning between 11 and 12. Exalt one another daily. Now, the only way to do that is stay in touch, right? Now, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have cars. They visit one another. They hung out with each other. See, exalt one, one another daily. Why is called the day? Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Why do we need to fellowship and spend this attitude of altitude and, and encourage one another? At least somebody gets deceived into sin and falls away from the faith. We need to encourage. Number three, not only do we have an attitude of acceptance and understanding, an attitude of accountability, but we have an attitude of responsibility concerning each other's walk. I am responsible, not because I'm a pastor, and I'm not your pastor anymore, but I still feel like I'm responsible to pray for you and responsible to stay in touch and responsible that if I see you doing something that, that you probably is going to hurt you to try to stop you. If I saw you in your car and you hit it toward a cliff, I'm going to stand out and try to stop you. You may run over me, but at least I'll try to stop you. It's an attitude of responsibility concerning each other's walk. In chapter 14, verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. And, and that judgment there is not evaluation but sentencing. I'm not going to sentence somebody to hell. That's not my job. That's God. God does the judgment from a point of sentencing. We do the job of evaluation. That's why he says we know them by their fruit. Galatians 6.1 says a lot about evaluation. Let us therefore judge, let us therefore not judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, I'm going to use Brussels sprouts again because y'all guys laugh about that. Let's suppose that not only do I hate Brussels sprouts, but let's suppose that just seeing them or smelling them make me sick. I mean, I, I get violently sick that I have allergic reaction. And you know that. And you cook it and say, hey, I cooked some Brussels sprouts. I know you don't hate them, but I'm going to put them on the table anyway. And all of a sudden, I get sick. You just put a stumbling block. I mean, they don't make me sick. You know, so. In fact, I saw them on the website the other day, fried in bacon grease. I can't wait to try them. Anything fried in bacon grease has got to be good. So, mm, thank you for that amen. Responsibility concerning one another's walk. We can be a people who restore one another. You know, when someone, I use Miss Ursula, when someone is, has a loved one who all of a sudden he can't walk, he can't, be, can't do all the things around the house he's used to doing, 
We can't just say, Miss Ursula, we're praying for you. Somebody needs to hold her arms up. Somebody needs to be there and, and assist in some things. Somebody needs to step in. I praise God she's got a family member that's rotating in and out and stuff. But see, this is family. Right? This is family. Be in there. This is to restore someone, to encourage one another, to, uh, to keep from tearing down people, and keep from criticizing and backbiting and gossiping, those things, uh, being a contentious spirit. You, know, you can't have an attitude uh, of being heavenly minded and have a contentious spirit. That's a quarrelous spirit. Ready to, ready to you know, if I say the grass is green, you say it's blue. Why? Just to quarrel. Just to start a fight. You've met people like that. Number four, an attitude of sensitivity to our brother's weaknesses. Come in here. We pray for a good service. I tell you what we ought to be doing. We are praying for one another. Lord, there's somebody in here that probably just needs a hug. Somebody in here needs to be touched. Somebody in here needs to be pulled off to the side and saying, is something going on? I remember one day I was getting ready to go to church. I was single back in those days. It's hard to remember those days of being single. 43 years ago and I'm standing waiting for my ride to church I loved going to this church this church was so cool and the word of God that came forth was so powerful and I'm sitting here and I'm so excited and I've got my big Bible and I'm all dressed up and I'm ready for the ride the bus to come by and pick me up and all of a sudden the Lord said go back to the dorm room well I knew that that just couldn't be God. That had to be the devil. The devil's trying to keep me from, from going to church. Devilitis is trying to hit me. I'd go back to the dorm room. And, and I'm sitting here and arguing back and forth, trying to determine uh, what the devil's doing, trying to get me to go back to the dorm. And, but it had such a peace and general voice. I knew this is not Satan. This is not the demon. This is God speaking. Go back to your dorm room. I said, okay. I turned around and I walked away. From the bus stop. I'm going to miss church that day. I'm going to miss fellowship with my brothers that day. I went back to the dorm room. And when I was going to my room, a guy walked out. And the Lord said, tell him. And I spun around and I started telling him about Jesus. And he got born again. Amen. Praise God. This guy would have never heard if I had not listened. If I had not obeyed. If I had not went where God told me to go. And had an attitude that's heavenly minded. An attitude that it's not all about going somewhere. It's being something. We don't go to church. We are the church. We go to a building. But if God wants us to go somewhere else and, and to fulfill a, a mission that he has, then we need to be open to hear that. Or we could be so focused in getting to where he told, where we want to go that we miss where God wants us to go. We could be so focused on what we want to say that we miss on what God's saying. An attitude of sensitivity. In verse 15, chapter 14, verse 15. But if your brother is grieved... We could be so busy eating that meat that we're not paying attention that the guy next to us is grieved over it. That it's a stumbling block. If your brother is grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou in, in love, destroy not him with the meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, if, if you're about to walk into something, say something that's going to offend somebody, just <coughs> stop it. But the only way to do that is be sensitive to it. So 
Do I need to be a drug addict, an ex-drug addict to witness to drug addicts? Do I need to be an ex-drunk to witness drunks? Do I need to have uh, a loved one, a son, die in order to witness or share to someone who's lost a son? Do you know what I need? One thing. Compassion. I need to walk in the compassion that Jesus walked in. And to have that, I had to have an attitude that has an altitude. In other words, I've got to be heavenly minded to walk in his compassion and, and, and realize I can touch, I can feel. Jesus never sinned. He was never sick. Can you hear that? He was never sick. He never had the affliction in his body. But it says that he suffered in every area. In other words, he had compassion and he knew what it was like for someone to have sickness. He knew what it was like to have a daughter die. And he went and he saw that daughter laying there dead. It says he was moved with compassion and he spoke and she rose from the dead. Amen. That's why just almost all the miracles that you see Jesus did says, and he was moved with experience? No. He was moved with compassion. And to be moved with compassion, we need to have an attitude of sensitivity. Sensitivity, what's going on around us. We, we're not to, not to be so consumed with ourselves and what's going on with us that we be consumed. He says, think more of others than yourself. I need to be consumed with what's going on around me so that I can be sensitive to what God wants. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not what I, what I eat. It's not what I drink. But it's righteousness, peace and joy and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the attitude of righteousness. Walking in right standing with God. Peace. Having the peace that passes. All understanding. No matter what goes on. And having the joy of God in the Holy Spirit that's in us. <clears throat> Y'all okay? We awake? All right. Number five. An attitude of edification that brings the bond of peace. In chapter 14, verse 19. Edification comes from the word edifice. It means to build up. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherein one may edify another. When's the last time you went up to hug somebody or you shook their hand? And this even happens in the marriage. What can I say or what can I do to build that person up? Somebody said this morning, says, man, you got the Hemingway thing going on here as you're writing. <laughs> well, that just blessed my heart because I was going to go home to, today and shave it off. I ain't shaving it now. Oh, shave it. Because see, if I shave, see, once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> to edify, to build up one another. But it takes an attitude, a heavenly attitude. Because see, we, we're so consumed sometimes that when we approach people, I remember going into, I visit a lot of churches. I go into church and, and I go up and, and go to shake in, and, and uh, Debbie and I visit a lot of churches up there in Navarre, over in Navarre now, and, and go shake a hand, and the guy goes, glad to meet you. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, you didn't meet me. Well, they didn't. They shook my hand, but they didn't meet me. They just said, glad to meet you. Y'all had that happen before? There was no exchange of names. There was nothing. It was just so consumed. It just felt like, well, i got to shake your hand because you're here. Glad to meet you. Now, wait a minute. What's your name? He told me his name. I told him my name. I says, now we've met. 
If you've been guilty of that, don't do it. Don't tell somebody he's glad to meet them until you've met them. You can't build somebody up if you, if you just got this phony, false, hey, glad to meet you, glad you're at the church, bye, you know, come back. I sit over there, you sit over there. Proverbs 26, 20. If I'm going to build somebody up with the bond of peace, do you understand that sometimes there are sparks? Sometimes there are sparks. Sometimes there's arguments. My wife and I have been married 43 years. We've never had a disagreement. <laughs> Lying like a rug. <laughs> We've had at least two. Lord help him. Proverbs 26, 20 says the best way to put a fire out is remove the wood. But wait a minute. I'm right. Right, brother? I'm right. You've learned, right? Yes. Men are never right. Yes, exactly. Women are always right. Yes. And they can out-argue us. Yes. You might as well go ahead and just pull the, pull the wood off and put the fire out. Amen, Ain't you stowing wood in trying to be right. You ain't going to get there. <laughs> you got the look. You're right, I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I just go, okay, baby, you're right. I <laughs> just look at the old men, and you're just all like... <laughs> It's hopeless. And if you're not married yet, you'll get there. You'll get there. You might as well go ahead and talk about how right you are now because there'll come a time when you'll never be right again. <laughs> it is what it is. But the, but the attitude... I know it. You know, if I could rewrite Genesis... It was said that God says, I, I, I made man. I breathed life into him. Then I looked and said, I can do better than that and I'll make a woman. <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't that what y'all feel? <laughs> Actually, he made man first because if he made woman first, she would have told him how to do it. Number six, <laughs> we need an attitude of not being a self-pleaser. We're, you know, we like we like what we like, don't we? We get up and we we choose what we're going to eat. And my breakfast this morning was interesting. We're stayed over at the parsonage, and there's nothing over there but a a bed that we gave to the guys and and a table and. Uh, so I had a handful of crackers, a cookie, um, a piece of orange, a biscuit, about three cups of coffee, and, uh, and, I, and the whole time I'm eating this, I'm going, none of this satisfies me. I want some eggs and grits and stuff, but we didn't, you know, we didn't want to cook anything there. We just come to pass through and find a place to sleep. And, and, uh, but, but don't we want to be pleased? And don't you eat something and you get up and you go like, I'm not satisfied? And do something and you say, I'm not satisfied? 
Well, the attitude of gratitude, the attitude of altitude, being heavenly minded, we don't seek to please ourselves. In Ephesians and uh, Romans chapter 15, and then we'll close with this in, chap in chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not to, what does it say? What does it say? It actually says, not please ourselves. We ought not to please ourselves. And the only way I can not please myself is walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, because the, the flesh wants to, wants to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh is me first. It's all about me, meology. Instead of theology and neology, it's meology. It's all about me. But the attitude of altitude, being heavenly minded, it's all about those outside of me. It's about you. It's about pleasing you and doing what I can to lift you up and exalt you and, and build you up. Let me just close with a statement that says in... Uh, we need to be willing to bear one another up and to grow in Christ. Every one of us, we, we haven't arrived yet. Nobody in this room glows in the dark. None of us have arrived. Makes no difference where you've grown. God's not done. And I had a preacher passing through here doing some preaching. And uh, I haven't known him so long. And he'd preached in a few of the churches and me and him were sitting down having coffee, talking. And he said, you know what I've noticed? He said, the people in this area, along this panhandle, this whole region through here, they're not as spiritual as they think they are. I said, that's a good assessment. So this is a preacher just passing through preaching. And so in order to get there, to grow up, we need to think outside of the box. To have an attitude to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and an attitude to think of others over ourselves. It's an attitude of feeling. And, and it's not, once you get there, it's kind of cool it's because you don't have to try to make it happen. When you're walking with God, you don't have to try to love somebody. If you're trying to love somebody, if you saw my Facebook post, if you're trying to love somebody, that's religion. If you just love them, that's God. If you're trying to be at peace with somebody, that's religion. If you are at peace with somebody, that's God. If you're trying to have joy, and it has to be generated through music, fast music, that's the world, that's religion. But if you can walk in joy, peace, without anything around, that's God. Being heavenly minded. You want to be there? Have an attitude of altitude. But the first thing I do, you have to confess and say, Lord, forgive me. Well, first, if you don't know Jesus, you need to be born again. You need to be, you need to be born again. You need to get saved. You need to ask Jesus to come in your heart and give your life to him. That's the first thing you got to do. He'll, he'll accept you the way you are. Wash you up, forgive you, cleanse you, give you a whole new life. But he demands your life. He'll take your life and give you his. The second, to have that attitude, is learning to walk as a broken, poured out person. Saying, God, it's not about me. It's about those outside of me. And it's about you. And have an attitude 
that no matter what happens, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm going to learn to be content. That's what Paul says. Learn to be content and be joyful. An attitude that we feel and act different than the world does. We feel and act in peace, joy, and exalting one another. Let's stand. We're going to sing hymn number what? You don't know? I don't know either. 320. If you would like prayer, I would pray for you. And as we sing number 320, if you want to be born again, you haven't been, you come forward and I'll lead you to Jesus Christ. If you just need prayer, if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can come to the altar and pray. You can pray right where you are. Forgive me, Lord, for a stinking attitude. Raise my altitude. Raise it up. Raise it up. Let me be an exalter instead of a terror down. Amen? Amen. All right. Three, what is it? 320? 320. 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.